Welcome to another edition to Motivational Sundays with Kevin and Friends. Today, we're going to do a table talk. Um, this is something new. This show was originally created from the more than 3,000 motivational quotes I had created for the contents of my book. Always curious about how uh, a quote landed on one person based on their interpretation and perspective. So I tossed it out to my friends. I am joined today with my co-host, the lovely and the most handsomest man on the planet, Mr. Christopher Paul James and his lovely queen, Miss Gilda James. I'm also uh, flanked by another queen, an educator, a motivator, uh, an activist, Miss Denise Lopes. And here is our, uh, our entrepreneur, Vanessa Vita. She is a mother of, of three young kings, you know, coming all the way from Florida. She's joining in. She's co-host today. And by the way, I want to say, if any of you guys have not seen The Holdover, what the hell are you waiting on? <laughs> Featuring Mr. Naheem Garcia. He is um, he is a beautiful brother. For those of you, I'm not going to talk about all the accolades of what he's, he's done. He, he has touched my heart like a brother that was born into the same womb as I was. He's closer than, um, than most. I love this man, Naheem Garcia. Today, I'm going to deliver a quote, but with the table talk, we're going to talk about a conversation that needs to be had. And once a month, we will be doing this going forward. So January 15th is Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday. We're not celebrating the day that we lost him. We're celebrating the day that God gave us him and his <laughs> gifts. Dr. Martin Luther King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Now, my question is, while, we, while I am preparing to do my speech, more than 700 people for MLK Day here in Pennsylvania. My question, because of conversations I had preparing for this, is Dr. Keem's dream still alive? When I had a person that I trained that brought up the fact that Blacks benefited from slavery, I thought they were pulling my leg and it confused the living crap of me when he said slavery was entrepreneurship for black people <laughs> asked him how he, he said it taught us how to um, pick carton cotton plow fields um understanding time value and whatever and what confused me is that he had graduated himself from cheney university one of the first um historically black colleges and i said how did you not get the education of the history of us and um he says, I didn't understand slavery. And is, I asked, is he black or white? <laughs> let, let me finish this. And I said, you're exercising your privilege to be ignorant. I don't have to answer what race he was. I just confirmed it. Yeah. The other conversation that made me think about this question was someone said to me that was not uh, melanated is that things are much better for us than they used to be. And my response was, I need you to think about that. And I directed this person to um, a documentary called The Who Are We Project by Jeffrey Robinson, which documents, you know, exactly who we are. This led onto a string of conversations and created doubt. So with that said, 
I want to ask my family, who I trust and respect, <laughs> because education is not designed to make you comfortable. It's designed to make you think. And if I don't mind, you know, Denise, if we can lead off with you, can you tell me? Because you're you're responsible for educating ed educating the wait a minute. Naheem, go ahead. No, no, be, before because if this is a discussion, this is too much to wait. Because I'm 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 still trying to get past the fact is the man black or white? Because <laughs> I know you said somebody was less melanated. I'm trying to understand how a black man, and I ain't want to jump up, but but you can't say something like that to black people and black men and women and Latino black men and women and think that somebody gonna say, How do you think that black folks benefited from slavery and how do you think it's entrepreneurship you learn entrepreneurship as a slave well, i can't get past that part yet well, well i i am going to ask you i i'm going to ask you one to un understand and the reason why i didn't say black or white because i didn't want this show to become an issue of black and white i wanted to be a conversation of educated people talking about a subject when we need to educate people because sometimes ignorance is not bliss or ignorance is bliss. It depends on your perspective and whatever. And sometimes when people are not raised in an environment where they're exposed, um, they don't know. Instead of putting everyone on the defensive because we felt challenged, I mean, trust me, I wanted to reach back and smack him on top of his head and says, what are you thinking? But our responsibility is not to be defensive of a conversation. Our responsibility is to educate people and let them choose from there. Because when I stand before a crowd and I ask anyone, and this is another true story, would you trade for one year to walk around in my skin? And no one raised their hand. I asked if you were Latino you and you were other than Latino, would you trade with a Latin person and walk around in their skin? And that goes from Indian, um, Asian, and so forth. Other than European males or female, would you trade? I had one person say, yes. I would trade if I, if you were LeBron James. And my response says, not if you lived in Mississippi. So that was my uh, comment back to that, because there are still places like Louisiana that still has slavery on the books. If you go to Louisiana, in my home state where I was born in Oklahoma, the people are still living back in the days when, you know, we will be shackled and chained and working in, in, in the fields and whatever. There are just some people, uh, Naheem, that can't be saved. What I want to do is reach out to the people that are silent because their voice needs to be heard. And the only way that they can be heard, if we educate them on we are not what they've been taught and what was caught. We, we need to deliver a whole nother level of conversation, just like we talk to our young people, because they're being taught that conversations is not the reality. So when you when I look at the quote, and this is the reason why I said it, because the way it reacted, um, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Hate cannot drive out hate. You know, only showing them the light and showing them how to love will get them to change. Because where courage lies is within the heart, not in the conversation. And that's what I'm trying to reach with this show. We're trying to educate people. I mean, well, we're all an educational gonna... question. We can't get past the fact that how do you educate me on how we were taught entrepreneurship and how we benefited from oh. slavery? I have no idea. I'll be I honest. You gotta with you. let it go. 
Okay. So because that's that where said, the education that, that's why I don't mean to stop it, but I'm saying let, we that's where the education starts. Right. How do explain that part? And I'm not saying that to you, Kevin. I'm saying in general, explain that part, and then we can get to the meat of it because I can't get past that. I I, I know, I know. And that, that's something when we go to Capitol Hill and we look at Texas and Florida, explain it to the people that were bullied and, and mistreated when they were kids and now they're in power. And they've got 44 states that are trying to erase our contributions in history because they want to change the education because of the conversation we're having right now. All right. But we we as people, we can continue, you know, to walk on stage and smack our brothers and sisters on national television and then wonder and then take a seat and say, enjoy the show. We can't do that because that's what they expect us to do. They expect us to react that way. Dr. Martin. Yeah, Dr. Martin Luther King's whole whole thing, which I don't know if I can do, and this is part of my speech, was nonviolent. When I look at um, Congressman John Lewis, which is a fraternity brother, held the hand of a white man that was his uh, marching brother, and they were both beat to inches of their life. And I don't know if I can watch someone beat you, Vanessa, Chris, Gilda, Denise, Larnez, Manuel, anyone in this show, and me not defend you you know, with the honor of peaceful protest. These people are a lot braver than we are. Dr. King delivered something that was much stronger and he brought all people together. And when you look at the fact when he stood at uh, in Washington, D.C. and marched, is that only um, 6% of the people, mm-hmm. the 250,000 people that were there are skin color. The rest of them was United Nations. So this is the reason why we can't combat hate or ignorance with ignorance just because we're offended. We got to show them what love is about. Our power is in the way that we approach this game right now, because we've got to outthink the people that think we don't matter, because we do. And with shows like this, this is the reason why we make it easy for them to consume the information without them holding on to the information and retaining the information based on ignorance and hate, the way their forefathers and their uh, fathers and grandmothers and cousins and uncles has taught them until they get to know us. It makes it difficult for them to love us. And like right now, I just want to have this conversation to see right now where we're at with Martin Luther King's dream. Have we advanced or have we been taking a step back? And have we let go of the rings as, as people uh, of color to where we're not living his dream and understand the sacrifice he made? Because he gave the ultimate sacrifice like many others in order for us to have this privilege and our right to have this conversation in an open platform without censorship or dictatorship or being edited or anything else. So when you get a chance to talk, I'm going to, if you still want to address that question, let it fly. All right. But uh, Denise, how does this land on you? Is Dr. King's dream still alive? That's a heavy question. Um, As an educator, um, I still think we have a long way to go. We see it more now, um, like at my job, like just recently I have students with trauma, students that need help just because he's a student of color, they want me to take care of him. And when he goes to special, which is music, art and gym, they want me to keep him because he can't handle himself on that during music or uh, or art. So I'm like, if it was another student, if it was a regular 
classroom teacher, would you ask them to keep the kid or would you get a psychologist or would you get a, a, a counselor to stay with that kid and talk to him because he's coming through trauma. We don't know what's going on at home. It's like, it's really bad. So to me, it's like, just because I'm the black teacher, I'm the educator of color. He's a black student. I'm the one that has to deal with him because I have more connection. And I say it's not fair to me or the kid because I'm not a psychologist. Uh, I don't have that training. I don't know how to ask a question. I'm not trained in trauma. So it's just like, are we going back? Um, what am I fighting for? Is it the same thing? Like, just because you have, I think it's the white privilege because I'm the only educator of color. And for me, it's fighting every day. I'm getting tired. Like I keep fighting for the same thing every single day. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I've told you a million times. Just because I'm black doesn't mean I'm going to be able to help everybody and the kid. I, I lead with love because hate, I can't. And I educate them with kindness. That's how I teach I had. He goes, you educate them with kindness. You don't go through violence. You don't get out of character. And I always have that thing. I say, God, take care of this because if I do, I'm going to jail. Because if I'm going that route, violence, I'm the one that's going to lose it. And I don't want that. And the kids are going to want, they're going to be suffering and I want to be a role model for them. And it's like, at this point in my career, since the school started, I'm fighting, fighting, fighting. And I'm getting tired. I'm like, where's that dream? Where's like everybody be the same? Like when my students are going to be considered part of the school? Because right now I feel like they're not. Like they just, just because they're with me, they're only my responsibility. And it's not. It's a whole school. They are part of a whole school. They get money from the state for the whole school, not just for certain kids. And I feel like if there's another kid that's acting out, because sometimes my student, he will have like tantrum, go on the floor, scream. I just go down with him. I just rub his back. He's good. But if it's another white student, there's five different specialists at the room. Like people have walkie-talkies. I don't. I can't even call. Like sometimes it's so bad that the other day I had to call. They didn't know it was me. They had to, they had to call me back. It's like it. You are the one that needs help. When one is another teacher, like right next to me, I hear people running. Five of them are all coming to the room to help that one teacher because she's white. I'm black. That means I'm strong. Like that thing, the strong woman, like the mother thing. I think that's what they're looking at me at. Like I'm gonna deal with everybody, and I'm tired. And I think. Like, I want things to be better for me and for my students. <clears throat> and I'm overwhelmed. So for me, I don't know if the dream is still alive. I don't know if we getting the same treatment we should be getting. I'm educated. I have a master of education. I'm going for my PhD. I'm more educated than any of the other teachers in that school. Like, why don't you see me as an equal, as a, a professional, and give me the help that I need with another profession that's a psychologist that's going to be able to help that kid that's going through trauma that I'm not able to. So um, it's it's being hard for me. Like when I read the the question and the quote, I'm like, I lead with love. That's what I've been doing. And my students feel it. They come through in my class. They want to come to school. So I'm doing the job in my classroom, but the administrator is not helping me. So that's why I keep questioning, is the dream alive? I don't know. Well, the nice thing about um, Dr. Martin Luther King, it provided us and the struggle of Ralph Abernathy, um, uh, Thurgood Marshall, and a lot of other people that were freedom fighters and the sacrifices they made both black and white. Um, to allow us 
black people, Hispanic, um, the underserviced, what they call us right now, poor people, uh, an opportunity to have an education so we can have an educated conversation. So aspects of his dream are alive. But I know a lot of people, this, this life that we live, and because it's still being repeated, it's getting heavy for all of us. So I understand the weight that you carry, but I'm going to tell you that that's the reason why we're having this, because when you get to the point that you can't carry the load, we need to lean on each other. So I appreciate that share. Uh, Gilda, our silent um, partner over there, speaks of volume and very few words. Um, I'm going to turn this over to um, to you. Um, you. Is the dream still alive, Dr. King's dream? I I feel almost like Denise. Is you know, uh, it is in a way, and it isn't. Um, my example would be um, it's a movie, American Fiction. And um, that movie to me seemed like it's a mockery to black people. That's just my thought. You know, I haven't seen the movie, it's advertised, I'm sure it'll probably win awards, but it seems to me there's a mockery because uh, to start off with, um, the guy that's- um, Jeffrey Wright. Oh yeah, Jeffrey Wright. That's I I can't think of the character's name, but Jeffrey Wright, um, he plays, a, a, I guess, a writer. And um, I guess uh, he, he wasn't selling any of his books. So he had to make it funny or, and, or entertaining. And it had to, I guess, it had to, it was a mockery, I think, on Blacks. You know, in order to um, make money on the book, it had to make fun of us. So I don't. I that's how I feel about that particular movie. But you know, that's entertainment. I, I, I and again, I guess I would have to say that that's just how the world's not changing. I don't. That's how I feel. I I don't know if you understand my feelings, but I understand. No, uh, I have you seen the movie? Um, no. Okay. But that's that's the way I felt about the movie. I I understand. I I struggled with watching, and I still haven't seen Twelve Years of, of Slave. Um, because every single time that um I watched it, it it brought back uh, conversations of my house, uh, experiences um of my great 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 grandfather's story and whatever that was. When you see it, and it becomes visually ingrained in your mind, it becomes extremely painful. To watch that another human being can treat another human being um so horrible yeah. and then when i when i realized that you know even in today's climate we are trying to erase here history and write it and dismiss the contributions that we made to this country we have to realize that this country would not be what they call a great country again if it had not been for our great 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 grandmothers, grandfathers, aunts, uncles, sisters, and a lot of people sacrifice their own life in order to stand up for our rights. So that's the reason why I asked this question today. And the reason why I'm featuring women on the show first is because I'm a Southern boy. 
And I, you know, the, the pain is real. And when I, I, our listeners are listening to this and our listeners are, uh, are not black people, are not Hispanic people, are not Indian people, are not Asian people, but are European, I want you to listen to the conversation, not to be defensive, but un- understand. Because change stands starts with where you are right now. You know, if you refuse change, history is only going to repeat itself. And I don't think we're a population now that's going to allow it to happen. And we should not be at that point because we don't have another Dr. Martin Luther King. So with that said, I'll read the quote again for those people that have just joined into the show. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And that's a speech from Dr. Martin Luther King dated 1963. Vanessa, how does this land on on you? This is a heavy question. (laughs) And thank you so much for having me here um, on this discussion. Because my whole belief system is love conquers all. So much like how you were explaining to Senor Garcia, we just have to, you know, the whole term killed them with kindness. That's the motto for me. And is that dream still alive? I think so. Because each one of us can make it alive. So why don't we do that instead of thinking of the negative and how it's been beating us down? Let's make it alive because it's it's winning. So change it around. That's all I got to say. Right. Dr. King said in a speech, the ultimate measure of a man or woman is not where he or she stands in this moment of comfort and convenience but where they stand in a time of challenge and controversy. All right. Hard place to be in this country. And those are beautiful words. And I admire you for saying that. And I agree a hundred percent, but as a black man in this country, does not matter how educated you are. There, no matter how successful you are on the big screen, doesn't matter how much time you have served in our military. I know from my grandma, grandfather when he came back from World War II, and I did not know this story until uh, we buried him, is that there was a platoon of black soldiers that were left for dead because they were uh, a machine gun turret had had them pinned down. And his commanding officer abandoned them and were moving on and left them for dead black soldiers. I think if I'm right, platoon is about 10 or 12 soldiers. I think, Christopher, I think. My grandfather in the dead of night, and this was a story was told when he was before the 21 gun salute. That my grandfather dropped a grenade and then brought all 12 men home. Even as we served our country, representatives of our country we're willing to sacrifice us because we we're disposable. At least that's based on interpretation and perspective of his grandchild. 
So I believe his dream is alive. I think some people struggle with the fact that we have individuals such as ourselves that are thriving and benefiting from that dream. And they're only hanging on to those of us that the dream was not communicated well through them that were not passed down through um, legacy and our responsibility to keep his dream alive. So Naheem, I know it's hard for you to, to hold back. Let it go. No, it's not that. It's just you said that this young man, I wanted to know what this young man's response was. That's what I wanted to know. I, well, I, 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 you know, because at the end of the day, I, want, I wanted to know what he, where his logic was on saying that black people learned entrepreneurship out of slavery and black people, um, if it wasn't for slavery, they wouldn't be better. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, like, I wanted to know what he had to say to respond to that because uh, well, I, well, what what he he said when I asked him because I thought he was just busting me to see if he's going to get a react get a get a rise out of me, but my thing is I, I I can't force hate with hate, you know I I've got to show them through example that we're much. No, I know that, that, but the still, yeah. you're still well, let, I, let I, I keep let no no, but I'm saying I keep hearing that, but all I want to know is what was his response? What I'm trying was to tell his justification? You I'm trying to tell you that. His 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 response was he didn't understand slavery, so he exercised his privilege in order not to communicate, and he he put his hand on privilege. I don't know, you know. So what's being taught? And this is a lot of people, you know. It's because, you know, how you know there's individuals. I read a book about two individuals that were uh, members, active members of the Ku Klux Klan, until they were. In a situation that they befriended a, a person of color, they did not understand. And what happens is a lot of times when you get the mob mentality, you know, there's two or three people that will drive the mob and other people follow. And then what happens is when they understand and go, I shouldn't be here. I mean, Jerry Jones, I, I will say this, and I'm not defending him. You know, I look at the situation when his picture showed up of a bunch of white kids brutally attacking um, black students. And Jerry Jones, his comment was, I went there to see what was happening. It would have been easy for me to tolerate the conversation is that this is the way that I was taught coming from Texas. And I participated and I was there because everyone else was there. He says, now that I am in a different environment and have control over my own destiny, I choose not to follow what I've been taught. We're all taught something. We're all caught something. It's just like there's households. Um, in America with black people, we're taught to hate um, the police. I have friends that are police, police officers, but I don't trust them. All right. And the only reason I don't trust them is because I have been abused by law enforcement officers in Ohio, New York, Pennsylvania, and even in my own community. But it doesn't change the relationship that I have with my individual friends mm -hmm. that have to endure that while wearing the same blue uniform. They say that love is a great degree of understanding. And once yep. you understand something, clearly you're able to embrace it completely. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King was a beautiful man. And his words were beautiful and, they, and they're vibrant to this day. But just like we have the dream, we also have the nightmare. And that's, and, and you know, and as long as we keep dreaming, we got to also keep fighting the nightmares that keep coming with it. Because as an educator like Denise, I mean, 
I see kids, they're glad that they're coming to school. They're glad that they're showing up, but they're not coming to school prepared to go to school to be educated. They're coming to school in pajamas, ready to go to bed. And they're coming to school to release some abuse because they're angry at what's going on at home. And it's pretty hard for teachers. So Denise, I feel you. I feel you every day because I'm going to Boston Public Schools and I'm going to charter schools and I'm watching what's happening. And it's very, very difficult to say what happened to the dream. Did the dream defer? I mean, you know, we have Langston Hughes there and that's real. You know, um, if it wasn't for love, I don't think none of us would wake up in the morning and do what we do to serve the people. But just like sometimes you got to give them apple juice sometimes you gotta give them applesauce and sometimes you just gotta give them the apple that's just the yes. way it goes down and i think that there needs to be a real balance on on how we like i i appreciate that young man saying he didn't understand what slavery was but i find if you're black i find that hard to believe it's you know and i don't just mean black american i'm a, i'm a cuban man you say go on period. I'm Hispanic. I came to this country. I didn't understand racism until I started realizing that it wasn't about Black America. They were talking about Black people, period. Anybody that was darker than the Anglo. And when you start to see the treatment, you start to see, pay attention to how people, you know, address you in different class. If it wasn't for love and it wasn't for loving myself and wanting and the love for God, first of all, and the love for the people and wanting to raise people, I think I wouldn't have survived and I wouldn't have tolerated some of the things to be the only black person sometimes in a room or in a classroom or to, and especially here in Boston, this was nothing nice. It's still nothing nice, but it was nothing nice 20, 30 years ago. It was nothing nice coming up through the 67. I, I got other Bostonians here. It was, it was bad. Like I'm looking at neighbors that was all white that now you wouldn't even know that there was, that there were white people living there because now it's so much of the people and we continue to wipe out cultures just like i cancel culture i got a problem with that you know because i want you to see that statue of andrew jackson i want to teach my child who he was and what he did the good and the bad because just like we protest about america all the time i wouldn't want to live anywhere else i got people in Google that can't eat <laughs> i got people here in america that can't eat you know it, so is the dream still alive I think the dream is alive and I think the the nightmare up the ante to combat the dream. That's why we got to keep fighting. So as they said in the great words of, uh, was that take six, love is what you need. Yeah. Love is what you need. All right. I'm going to, you know, not him, you know, something, you are the most lovable man that I know. And um, I respect you. All right. And it takes a very confident man. And I think we, we've grown because Naheem, you were one of the first men that I had a conversation with that ended the conversation when I first met you. And then we ended the conversation. You told me, you said, I love you, man. That's right. Yeah. I ain't afraid to say that to you. I ain't yeah. afraid to say that to anybody yeah. that's good and righteous. Yeah. So, um, and I, and I think the conversation, what you just said is true. His dream is alive. We're examples of it, but the darkness is trying to uh, shadow, cast a shadow on the light. And that's the reason why we're having this conversation. Because so, someone that is standing on the uh, on the fringe of common sense and humanity is going to listen to this conversation and says, I don't want to be a part of a nightmare. No matter what skin color they are, no matter where they were, we came from, no matter where they were born here in the United States, whatever, 
they want to be part of the dream. And that's how the, the dream is lot, uh, still alive. Is the commitment to the dream, dream to be that change that you want your children to see. I think that's the key thing. Being a part of the dream you want your children to see. Because children is, is what changes country. Every single leader um, and every single um, cause was driven by someone in the early 20s. Dr. Martin Luther King was 22 years old when he swapped this battle. 22 years old. He's a child. Christopher James, my brother, love you, man. I know this conversation is heavy. Your wife's holding your hand. I can see by your body language. It's Dr. Car Dr. King's dream, still alive. I thought about that for a while, and my first response was, oh, no, no I don't see it. It ain't happening. But then I did... I guess it was a contrast analysis, something that I picked up in schools. Thank you again for the, uh, all the contributions, all that you've done for me, every single one of your teachers, every single one of you who have to deal with people like me, placing ideas in my head that I fight every inch of the way. I don't want those ideas in my head. Thank you so much for placing them there. Um, to ask if it's alive, I would have to contrast, well, what would it be like if the dream died? Well, what, would we, what would we have if the dream actually died? Um, and mm. we would not have this conversation. We would simply walk around like, you know, automatons, whatever, uh, thinking that this is just the way it is and this is what it can always be. The fact that every one of us here can say, well, this still needs a change. Well, this is not um, like everyone else's experience like, or here in America. The idea is if we still feel that way, then the dream is still alive. It's still alive in each and every one of us. Um, there were a couple of thoughts that came to, came to mind while I listened to, to, to all the other uh, table members. Um, and one I'm going to share, uh, the rest I'll just leave in the, in the closet that I call my brain. But uh, about 35 years ago, um, I, was, I was in the Navy. Uh, we were in the control room of the submarine, and every one of us there uh, were wearing khakis, every single one of us. Uh, there were no you know, junior listed anywhere around. And it was me and about six uh, other officers. They were all white. And the comment that I heard was, um, it, it, there was an issue with uh, one of the um, sailors. And the comment I heard was, you know, we were never really taught how to deal with black people. Mm. And I, 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 I snapped, well, yeah, I snapped because I was a lot more violent back then. Um, and my response was, Every single black child is taught how to deal with white people. The day they learn to walk, they're taught how to deal with white people. Are you going to tell me that no, at, at no point were you ever instructed or at least given an inkling of how black people feel, how they think, how to act around black people? And uh, this young lieutenant, uh, actually the ensign, his answer was no. no. Nobody ever thought that was important. 
And the uh, first thought that came to my mind was, uh, am I not important? Or is it, or is it the, uh, the dealing of people considered not important? So anyway, that, that was like about 35, maybe 40 years ago. Um, Gilda uh, brought out something that I pointed out in the uh, trailers for um, Jeffrey Wright's movie. Uh, well, he didn't write the movie, but he, he did a great job of acting in uh, American fiction. How uh, Jeffrey Wright's character lived in a world where Martin Luther King's dream came to fruition. In other words, mm. he was a respected and educated and successful writer. Uh, but what was wanted was a black writer. And he explained, well, I'm black. I'm a writer. I should be exactly what you need. But what they wanted was the comical version that Gilbert uh, talked about. Mm -hmm. um, and that made me think if the world, the cash spending world, wants a fictionalized version of black people, that means that somewhere in their mind, that person with that whatever still exists. Mm -hmm. And when they look at a black writer, that's who they're expecting to get. Now, mm -hmm. it's only a movie, and um, uh, I, I don't think Jeffrey Wright can do anything bad. So, so it's, it's going to be a great movie. But the mm -hmm. idea is no matter how hard you work, in the, in the case of uh, Jeffrey Wright's character, they'll still expect that what you're talking about, no, I ain't mm -hmm. hearing that. You know, um, is is the dream alive? If if that movie affects me, then yes, the dream is still alive. And I know that I need, well, we need to do something about that. We need to address that. We need to correct that. And if I did not feel that way, the dream would definitely be dead. But um, I think as an example there, Yes, the dream is still alive because that's not right. That needs to be corrected. That needs to be fixed. Uh, and I'll say this also: it, it's the educators of this country that are fixing it. Just gotta let them finish their job. Mm -hmm. No, I'm done. Thank you, dear. <laughs> Thank you. That's Fifty years. Fifty years. <laughs> 50 years of education and 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 love and along with 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 sacrifice so i've been writing um my speech um to speak to the uh, upper marion school district about martin luther king uh, jr to celebrate his birthday um january the 15th <clears throat> the history books said that he was assassinated in my heart, even though I know the difference between assassination, he was murdered. You know, you guys have heard me speak the difference between the way that South Africans treated uh, Mandela when he was on the rise uh, of change. They, they decided to remove him from the, the noise of freedom or the sound of freedom and incarcerated him for 27 years of life. And I said, I look at the difference between playing chess and checkers. 
So when he was about to hit that cusp, that rise, just before it was the arc, as people were falling, he vanished for 23 years. They were hoping that the secret was going to disappear with his absence. But American, this wonderful country of ours, and we have to think about this, what was America built on? Mm. 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 Blood, blood and bones. In order to have our way, who did they sacrifice? The underserved, the poor, the minorities, and whatever. Go out and fight our wars and our battles. You know, bring home your children that you brought into this world, our heroes, our sheroes, our kings and queens. And they were delivered in, in a box. And the best mm. thing they ever got is 21 sounds of recognition based on the, the loss. There was no compensation for the family of their loss. There was there was not many conversations other than your child didn't come back. And we have suffered grief. Not only did we lose on the battlefield, we've lost on, on, on the place that we called home, our country, America. Our constitution doesn't even to this day represent us as human beings. And when I talk to people that are not black and they look at that and they go, oh, you misunderstood the Constitution. And I'm saying you haven't even you don't even know the, the, the whole meaning of your national anthem. Read uh, verse three and four. And, and, yep. And find out just exactly how the person that wrote this uh, national anthem. And then you'll understand why. I can no longer put my heart over my hand. And I used to be proud. Every day that I played football, I would look at that flag and says, I was grateful for playing this game. But you also have to look at the game of every single sport we have. At the level of the game that is played right now, the financial benefits, the people that own the, the, the game itself, the value of the game would not be an asset if it wasn't for the liability that we do every single day in order to play that game. We give up so much of us to have so little. I mean, LeBron James said it himself. He goes, um, I'm not rich. He said, the guy that writes my, my paycheck, he's wealthy. He says, I'm rich. And we, we have to look at it. Dr. King's queen, Coretta Scott King, said the greatest weapon we have, and the reason why we have this platform right now, and the reason why we're sharing with the world, she said the greatest weapon we have is the truth. People need to see that even today, we're pain. We're still in pain. Even today, that those of us that have reached a certain level to say, well, they dismiss us because we we are successful. They all have, also have to realize they created the ghetto through redlining. They create, created black on black crime because they brought guns into the, the hood. They poisoned the minds of our children because they taught us a different type of hustle. Because they brought drugs into our string, they separated the men from the women and to the women from the families. We start having children way too young before we knew our history. And so mm -hmm. we got children raising children that don't have no idea what their responsibilities are. And because of the pushback 
and people defending the cause. They're saying the old heads, like all of us, we don't know what we're talking about. It's the propaganda that kills the dream. What keeps the dream alive is Vanessa, Nahim, Denise, Arnaz, Manuel, Christopher, Gilda. We keep Dr. Dreams, Dr. Martin Luther King's dream alive. Because for everything that he stood for, when the world played chess with us and eliminated him, one of us on this show is going to make a difference in someone's life. And if we can change if we can change one person from where they sit right now, Dr. King's dream is alive. If the conversation we have from our educators, if we're allowed to tell our young people the truth, the reality, we will have another leader of men and women and humanity. Because right now our education system is based on a test, sitting in a row getting an A or whatever the case may be. Our children today are a lot more creative. We need to let that flow. There's a statistic that showed in 2025, 80% of the children born in this country will be of melanated skin. The reason why Dr. King's dream, they don't want it to be alive, is because what I say at the end of this show, they're afraid that everything's gonna fade to black. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. with that said, with that said, mm -hmm. I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. <laughs> I am honored to, and and as a privilege to be part of this family of these dynamic individuals. And I hope that anyone that's listening to this show, if you haven't shared. One of our shows, this is the one you need to share. And if you're not sharing, you're part of the problem. And I'll leave it at that. So um, with that said, honor Dr. Martin Luther King's dream by showing up and being productive. Pull your pants up. Mm. Get out of your get out of your pajamas. Mm. Comb your hair, <laughs> brush your teeth, <laughs> find find a conversation that it says to learn. There's <laughs> something else that says, you know what I mean? Because mm. we don't know what you mean. And live your life with a purpose and go in the direction that you help humanity and not just helping yourself. It's not about capitalism. If you do the work, you, the Lord will reward you. Stay true to your faith. Mm. And for my melanated people all over the world, no matter what shade you are, stop allowing other people to make you feel bad about the color of your skin. Mm, mm. So Thank with that know. said, there's nothing but much love on the show today. So we covered a lot of information. I'm sure we touched someone, it be it positive or negative, and we opened someone's eyes. If you're in denial, I know you tuned off a long time ago and I really don't care. All right. But if you're open to the truth, welcome to Motivational Sundays with Kevin and friends. As my grandfather said, you know, when you get to a point, you can help someone else out. It's your duty to do so. Reach one, teach one, 
Naheem, go ahead and fade to black. Yeah. And we're out. Thank you. <laughs>